jokes tonight. Uh, I've got a new one for Sunday, but you, you're just going to have to do your best you can tonight. Uh, yeah, Colonel Sanders. Well, amen. Well, I want to welcome you to River Church this Wednesday evening, and we are ministering the Word of God and having a, a joy unspeakable in doing that. Uh, I want to minister tonight on two realms and only one life. That's what I worked on today. That may not describe it, but we're going to start out with that. But we are going to, uh, we're going to back up a little bit and review some things that we all know or should know. But in this atmosphere that we're in, it's been charged. It's been, this atmosphere has been so worldly and so much strife and so many accusations. You know, the accuser of the brethren on both sides. And uh, it, it's not just sin against our United States or whatever's out there, but it's it's we we are the we are the rudder to this thing. The world's not steering; we're steering. The church is steering. I don't mean River Church, but we certainly have our hand on the helm, the uh, helm. And so we got we got to get back and, and get into focus and do our job. That's what Debran says to me. Do your job. <laughs> Amen. So in Matthew chapter 11, did we go there? Um, I want us to just, like I said, it's going to be a review thing tonight mostly, but I, I'm, I believe that every church ought to take uh, many of the same things every year and just preach and teach them in a rotation. Because there's just so many things that we need to know and everything else, a lot of it is fluff, and, uh, and we're supposed to do that at home. We're supposed to do that on our own. We're, we're not supposed to get everything from the pulpit. We're, we're certainly not supposed to have someone teach us everything. The Holy Ghost is the teacher. But I want to uh, touch on tonight about re redefining our normal. Redefining our normal. Revival, which we've been ministering on, is... It's so many things, but let's just say it's this. It's expecting and experiencing life in a higher realm. Isn't that what you think of when you think about revival? It's like, we're going to go up higher. We're going to do something different. We're going to get out of our box. We're going to go into the miracle realm. Nobody thinks, in our circles anyway, that revival is much revival if it doesn't have miracles associated with it. And so it's like, well, God, when are you going to send some? I think he already did. I think it's a matter of receiving, a matter of posturing ourselves in how to do that. So um, normal in the supernatural realm is called supernatural to the world. When what we should say, that's normal. That's where we are. That's who we are. That's where we live. That's, the, that's normal. But the world would say, oh, no, that's not normal. That's supernatural. And so we've got to redefine. We got, you know, we're all, we're all good, but we always have to put the course back into the compass and stay straight. You know, if you, you get lost out in the woods, you got a compass, you have to, you have to follow the compass. And sometimes you got to go around a hill or through a river and it gets you off and you have to get back on. Well, that's the same thing as us. So let's look at some things in that just I, I'm believing God tonight for the Holy Ghost to just spark you and me in any area and say, I want you to be back on that. I want you to get sharpened up on that. I do know myself personally 
that been involved in so many things in the word that sometimes you forget about faith and confession. You just like, yeah, we used to do that. We used to not say those things and not, I'm not talking about bad words. I'm talking about negative words, small words. We used to not say those and like, like how, where'd that come from? So that's just an example. Let's talk about two realms in Matthew chapter 11 in verse uh, 28. You know this scripture well. It says, come unto me, all ye that labor. The word there is translated grow weary and are heavy laden. So that's carrying a load. And I will give you rest. And the word rest there that the Lord Jesus used is the word in the Greek that means refreshed at ease. If you've been with Jesus, you're refreshed and at ease. And you can just nail people, if that's the word, that are agitated, that are concerned, that are anxious, that are worried, that are beside themselves. You can tell that they're heavy laden and they're tired. They're working hard, very hard, and they're tired. But the Lord Jesus said, we're not to, to, we're not to obtain any of our salvation through what we do. Our salvation has got to be totally by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. We do things because of who we are, but we don't do things in order to be who we are. So we got when when labor and anxiety and a load comes up, we got to get it off because it's not ours. It's not mine. It's not yours. And, but, you know, Worry is everywhere. Anxiousness is everywhere. And we're in a very uh, volatile world right now where everything is heightened. Can you see your mother and your grandmother and grandfather on the porch rocking and uh, and having a thought of what you and I read and hear every single day? It, it, they just didn't have it. But we do and we have to deal with it. So um, two realms, but you can just live in one. You're living in one or the other. You can't live in peace and rest, refreshing, and be anxious at the same time. So don't, don't throw that thought out that says, well, I am both, because you're not. The default, if we don't refault into the refreshing realm, we know that anxiety is everywhere. Bad news is everywhere. Right. The negative is all over. Let's talk about two gods. Two gods. We're talking tonight about two realms, two gods, and that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's just refresh ourselves about some truths. I like to every once in a while just go over the scriptures and, and re-index. We had a computer back when a, a, a computer only had, you know, 20, we had a computer at one time that had 40 megabytes. It was an Apple Classic. And uh, if, you, if you taxed it in any way, it would stop and say, re-indexing data files. That's what it did. And you, uh, you could go out and plant the, the garden while it was re-indexing data files. Well, uh, sometimes we have to re-index our data files in our soul and because stuff gets stuck in there and says, I have a right to be here. And we've got to kick it out. It says in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, 
in verse uh, 3. Paul said, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Or, or uh, in whom the God of this world. Say that with me. The God of this world. So he has appointed himself as a God. He wants to be the God of all, but he is only the God of this world. But, but he is that. He is the natural flesh sense-realmed God, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. So why do people act like they do? Why are these, these political things going on right now? Why are people just willing to, to lock their mother up and, and do terrible things? It's because the God of this world has blinded their eyes, and they don't, they don't believe, so they don't have any hope. What's going on right now in our culture is that people don't have any hope, and everything, if you don't have hope in God, you have to be responsible for everything. Because it's going to fail if you don't show up and if you don't invest and if you don't cover your basis. There's no, there's no default that says, but the Lord will take care of me. They don't have that. And we have forgotten in the church how miserable and forlorn that feeling is when there is no hope. That you are responsible, you alone, and the goodwill of others. Uh, it's a terrible place. So in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So here he's telling us several things, but he said the God of this world is a blinder. He's a deceiver. He's a confuser. He blinds their eyes. But our Lord Jesus shines the gospel. They're blinded and we're not just like not blinded. We, he's shining the gospel. The good news is every day. So much so, Ephesians says, exceeding abundantly above what you could even get in your soul. He said, I'm, I'm on that. He wants to surprise you with his goodness. Oh, I tell you the Lord. How about this? In Matthew 6, let's talk about two masters. So, so we're, we're getting off our, right there. We just chose. We, had a, a, we re-indexed our data files. We got off of the labor and heavy laden and got into the continual refreshing. I hope you made that adjustment. And then we said, well, there are two gods, but I'm going to, everywhere there's darkness, wherever somebody's blinded and they're bothering me, I now know why they're acting the way they are. And maybe sometimes the way we act, it would be that. But we're, we're, we're adjusting right now to Jesus who shines the gospel. So here let's talk about uh, two masters in Matthew 6, 24. Hallelujah. Uh, 6, 24, yes. It says, uh, no man, no man can serve two masters. The word serve there has a slave connotation to it. It's not like, you know, can I get you another Coca-Cola, sir? Uh, it's uh, serve two masters as a slave, for either he will hate the one and love the other. Remember, the Lord Jesus is talking here, and, and so these are indisputable. He will hate the one or, or, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot, it is impossible to serve God and mammon. The word mammon there is an Aramaic word that stands for riches, and broader, it stands for security. 
And you know, that's what people want in this election. They're, it's all a referendum on who can give me four years of security. And nobody can. We have to get that on our own, can't, don't we? So uh, he says here that mammon is the default, that if you don't activate your faith and turn your focus to uh, uh, the kingdom of God, uh, excuse me, the mastery of the Lord Jesus, that you will, if you ever slip, if you ever lose your grip, you will go into serving mammon. That comes from anxiousness. That's coming from, oh, how are we going to make the ends meet? Uh, you know, we're going to need a new car pretty soon. What, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? That is the system of mammon, and it's very insecure. When, on the other hand, uh, we serve the Lord, there's great security. We're justified. Uh, we, we keep our, our serving links us, not from his side, but to our side. I'm his, and he's mine. And it, it helps us. Let's talk about two kingdoms. It's right here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We'll go back to 32. And after all these things, so you have to go up to 31 and find out what the things are. It's eating and drinking and clothing. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. I saw a commentary one time. It was so interesting. I, I don't know where it is now. But the word there was translated scrounge. Y'all know what that word means? Scrounge. Scrounge. It's, a, it's a negative word. And it says here, the Gentiles scrounge for these things. They, they're desperate. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye, that I, that we have need of all these things. Of course he does. But the Gentiles don't have a covenant, and we do. In verse 33, but seek ye, seek ye. Get your eyes open. Open up. The first, first, the kingdom of God, the system of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So this isn't the highest form. The highest form is when it's multiplied to us. But here it's added to us. So there's a sustenance. There's a supply. There's a provision for us. And we don't have to do anything except get our eyes off the kingdom of mammon. Make that. We don't depend on that. And you go, well, I don't do that. Well, if we worry, if we take anxious thoughts, we do worry about it. We, do, we are putting our eyes on mammon, on a boss or a, a, a system or our job. It's so easy. It's so natural. And it's how we were raised. Until we got into this gospel, it's how we always thought. And it's so uh, hard. But money is the default. And you have to keep your... We don't have to work for money. We don't have to ask God for money. Neither of those are allowed. But we have to always have our focus on him who is our supplier. Because the default is, 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 uh, is the kingdom of this world and their system. And their system is dog eat dog. Eat all you can. Uh, get all you can. Can all you get. Sit on the can. And then carry the can. It's, it's the world system. And it just means there's so much of everything. And so you have to compete for what there is. The world system is competition and comparison. Um, let's look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And let's talk about what we should aim for. In chapter 4, you know where this verse is. It says in verse 17, 16, excuse me, 16, 
For which cause we faint not. We faint not. What? There's a cause there. We faint not, but though our outward man perish, talking about our flesh, yet the inward man is renewed. The word there is strengthened or invigorated. Hey, I'll take a dab of that. <laughs> strengthened and invigorated. Um, lost my place. Day by day. Day by day. For our light affliction, pressure, adversity, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, talking about the few years that we are on the earth, worketh for us, it's, there's a benefit for us, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. How does that work? How do we do that? He said, while we look not at the things which are seen. The word there, look not, is take aim. Fix your eyes, focus. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. So here we are, we're in two realms, we're in two kingdoms, we're in two, there's, there's a choice. After Jesus, you're born again, you get choices to go back to the world, depend on the world, not grow up from the world and grow into him, but to go back and say, well, I'm going to heaven. And I, I, I don't like this gospel that's being preached everywhere that is only uh, uh, end of age or end of life oriented. That you got born again so that you could go to heaven. And more accurately, many times, it's so that you'd miss hell. People don't even know what heaven is. They just don't want to go to hell. That's, that's a bad place. So they're always end of life conscious. And so what are you going to do today? Well, I don't know. We're just going to do the best we can. I'm going to be worldly. I'm going to be sense oriented. I'm going to be uh, dependent on my cunning, my craftiness, my scheming, my abilities, my training, my education, my looks. I'm going to be dependent on that because the better I manage that, the better I'll be. And uh, the word says, don't take aim at that. Don't focus on that. Focus on the Lord Jesus. And like it said in Matthew, all these things will be added to you. So, um, unseen the faith realm is the unseen realm there's no evidence naturally speaking that we can put that in uh, he said put the world in the peripheral now we have um, our eyes in our in our face are amazing that when you focus on something ahead you can become conscious of what you can see in the peripheral. Well, how, how you can see things over here. I can, I can see both hands over here if I concentrate on the peripheral. He said, put the sense realm there. Put the seen things, put them in the peripheral. Many times people are just focused. They don't sleep well. They get up early. They work hard because they're focused on the seen realm. He said, take your eyes off the seen realm and put them on the unseen realm. Uh, take aim. So... Right now, I want us to just for just a little illustration or a little, what, what do you call those uh, in children's church when you? Object lesson. Yes, y'all knew. I knew y'all did. Um, I want us to imagine that we're looking down at the barrel of a rifle and we're taking aim. And so for just a moment, let's re-aim. We've been, maybe your day was busy, your week was over 
wild one, whatever's been going on. We're all tempted there. But every once in a while, you got to stop it. You just have to stop it. Come to a screeching halt because it won't, it won't go there on its own. It won't quit. You'll, you get tired. We, get, uh, we run out of day. We run out of strength. And that's why it stops. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about taking our eyes off of it. So let's all just aim at something unseen. House, your house getting paid off or your job is or your family or whatever. And right now, let's just take aim and don't look at the peripheral. Focus on the things. I know what I I know what I'm focused on and I take aim and then pull the trigger. Amen. Object lesson. <laughs> um, we have to develop by practice receiving what the word says. I remember Debbie practicing hearing the Holy Ghost, and she would, uh, I'd, I'd be driving in town, and she would uh, close her eyes, like all the way at the Dairy Queen, getting to 69. She'd close her eyes, and she would ask God, she'd practice hearing the Holy Ghost, what's the light going to be when we drive up to it with her eyes closed? It was great. I mean, for her, I... I didn't close my eyes. <laughs> but we need to practice receiving what the word says. We need to imagine, if that's a word, imagine what it looks like to have your bills paid off. What would you do? What would you feel like? We need to go there. How do you go there? It's not by things that are seen. It'll be the unseen. There'll be a joy when you receive what the word says to you. You practice it saying, I'm just going to call things that be not as though they were. I'm just going to enter into my paid-for house realm. How's that feel? Well, just fine, thank you. But I've got to take aim at it. Otherwise, I'm going to be taking aim at the world and just saying, well, in 28 years, we'll get it paid off, or take aim at it saying, well, if, I, if we get the kids out of school, you know, and they, they go off and get married, we'll have all kinds of money. I can already tell y'all that doesn't, that's not how that works. <laughs> Take aim. Take aim at the things that are not seen. It's true, I think, that you cannot be satisfied in your life living exclusively in the seen realm. We have to have hope. We got to have something that's bigger than the expected, the routine the natural. We have to have something. And the only way you can get that is to hope. And the only way you can get that is to focus on, deliberately focus and take aim and say, I'm going after this. Nobody's saying we're going to foreclose. Nobody's saying, you know, that your engine's shot and you got to get a new car. Nobody, it's, everything's fine, relatively speaking. And in the midst of that scene realm, we stop and say, I'm going up. I'm going up right here in the middle of nothing's happening. That's we all respond when there's a crisis, but just like we're good. We're as good as we have ever have been or we've been in a while. Let's shoot higher. Let's take aim, because if we don't, we will default to the sense realm, the scene realm. Believers have this great power in the unseen realm. It's a great power. You all agree? Yeah. That's where we're powerful. 
many times we're not the most uh, uh, educated or the most, uh, uh, we are, but we're focusing on other things, whereas the world's going after that. And so we have to get our power out of the Word of God, and we have to focus on that. Here's something interesting I wrote down. We are commanders of the supernatural realm, yet in a flesh body. Now, that's, that's almost an oxymoron. We are commanders of the unseen realm, and yet we're not disembodied. We're in this natural, failing, flawed flesh body. And yet we, we, little old us, just little old you with, you know, trying to pay your electric bill and trying to get the kids off to school, all that we're challenged with in the natural that makes us so vulnerable, we are the commanders of the supernatural realm. And let me just tell you, just let's take note of this. The seen realm never changes the unseen realm. Did I say never? It never changed. The seen realm never changes the unseen realm, but the unseen realm cannot help but change the seen realm. So where do we need to aim? Where do we need to focus? Where do we need to put our attention? In the unseen realm. So we've got to call things that be not. We've got to uh, raise the dead and... and uh, You got to get in the spirit. I have to get in the spirit to make his yoke easy. It is easy, but there's an unloading of the natural that has to happen because he didn't put this natural stuff on us. No pressure, no intimidation, no pressure. It didn't come from heaven. So I attract it sometimes by my negative words, certainly by my experience and my expectation is like, well, this always happens. This is, this is how this is going, and this, it always happens this way. Well, that's because it just reveals what we're expecting and what our, what, and, and it's, it's usually made in fun, but it comes from a previous life that that was truth. Yeah. Now it's not truth, but we default to that little colloquialism in there. We are commanders of the supernatural realm. Can we say that together? First person. I am the commander of the supernatural realm. Now, see, that'll almost assault your sensibilities. Little O.S. are commanders of the highest realm there is, the realm where angels are, where God is, where Holy Ghost is. We are commanders in that realm. Even the angels are subject to us. And yet, it's just little old me that, uh, you know, didn't feel good or didn't have enough this and didn't do that. Um, let's look at some common sense things to living in the unseen realm, the miracle limb, realm. We have, to take, we have to take feelings out of the picture. We've said this before, uh, that you cannot measure weight by a thermometer. You just can't. And that you can't tell what the temperature is with bathroom scales or any kind of scales. It's like, well, of course, dummy, that's of course, of course. But then we take that same thing and go it over there and, and we try to measure the seen realm, the unseen realm, with our feelings, with our experience, with what, what usually happens. And it's just a thermometer. 
You know, you're trying to shake the thermometer down and said, I know I just weigh 180 pounds and this thing is, this thing keeps saying it's more than that. And we go, that's crazy. You can't do that. Well, that's exactly right. So we're going to, we're going to take aim in our lives. We're just re-indexing here. We're going to take aim at the unseen realm because the unseen realm changes the seen realm. So we're seeking first the kingdom of this world then we're focused on the things that are seen and we'll stay in that kingdom versus if we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, that realm will influence the seen realm and all these things will come. So I'll have both. I'll have the benefits of that while staying in this. So I'm taking aim. I think, I think we should... Uh, uh, we should have us a vision book. I, you may have one. You may have had one for all these years, but uh, I've had good success doing what I read the other night. When did we read that? Last Wednesday? Yeah, I read that about uh, the man that, that wrote in his vision books and clipped out suits and ties and furniture and, and, and a, a new car and uh, had it under the caption of we drive the best and all that. And then he said after just a short period of time, he said, all that stuff is in my life now, every bit of it. We've talked about this before a long time ago about the elevator button. That we understand the elevator button. And I have fumbled the elevator button, maybe everybody has, where you touched the elevator button the one that you're standing outside of on, on the first floor to go up to the third floor, you touched it, but it didn't activate. How do you know that? Because the light didn't come on. We are sure, sure, sure. We are positive that if we touch it and the light comes on, what are we sure of? That puppy's coming down to get us. But we're just as sure that if we look up again, like where is this thing? And we see that the, the button is dim, we know. We, we, we don't sit there and say, when's it going to get here? I hit the button. We understand that. And that's simple, but we ought to understand it. Because if you, if you hit the button and the light doesn't come on, you're going to the stairs. Heaven help us all. Amen. So we're going to hit the button. Because we know. Now, this is, this is the simile. We know that if we hit the button and the light comes on, we know it's coming for us, and we ought to be that adept in the spirit realm that when we speak the word, we know what's going to happen. Turn with me to Mark chapter 11. We'll just, we'll just graze over that scripture just real quick. Mark chapter 11, uh, verse 20, uh, 23. We've done this so many times. I mean, you, you practically have notes in your margins about this, but it says... Uh, that whosoever, verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say, call or command this mountain, this situation, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Now, this is the unseen realm. But believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have, he shall have. The button that's hitting the elevator button and the light came on, he shall have an elevator he shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have the, the, light, the button that lit up. He shall have a coach. 
and he shall have the mountain moved. It's no different. But we believe the elevator button. But many times we'll pray or say, declare, and, and get out there. And then we're like, man, I don't know what we're going to do. When actually we've already committed ourselves to faith, or so-called, we hit the button, but then we walked away and the button went dim again. So we have to listen to what we expect, what we expect when we say. We all betray ourselves with our conversation. We all do. So if you want to know what's going on in here, the way you measure your faith is listen to your mouth. Because it will betray you and it'll be accurate. And you can say, no, I don't believe that. I believe this. I, I spoke to the mountain and I, I got that. But then later we betray it as if the mountain has not been, the button hadn't been activated. And then we say, where is it? Why, why didn't this didn't come? Because we could measure our faith and say, we didn't, we didn't hit the button. We either hit the wrong button or, or something. So if we can understand how an elevator works, we can understand how our faith works. It's absolutely the same. We have what we believe we receive when we say. Saying it's not, and this is where we used to be wrong. This is how we used to teach it, and it's wrong. We used to say, if you just say, but that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, say what you believe. Well, you don't even have to say it because we will all, we are all saying what we believe. So if you bypass that and say, I don't believe in my heart, but I'm going to say it in my head and that mountain's going to go, you'll be disappointed, won't you? You'll be hitting the stairs, so to speak, because you, faith speaks. Faith has a voice. So if you don't even have to say anything, but then when it comes up, when you say, yeah, I got that. Yeah, I got my house paid for. And you go, really? Yep. But, but you know you're making a payment on it. It doesn't matter because you hit the elevator button and you're going up. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 4, 13, 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says of the spirit of faith, it says we believe and therefore speak. So that's, that's the straightening out scripture there. We believe and then our believing speaks. And if we don't believe, our unbelief will speak. So, but we used to teach, just say it, just say it, just say it. Just say it, just, just say it and say it. Well, that's not it. We've got to faith arises by hearing the word. And so that's how we're going to change what we say. Um, well, we don't, it's already nine o'clock. Hallelujah. Well, let's just turn to Mark chapter five. You're right there. And let's just, let's just cruise through this one. Because we're just kind of taking a review here tonight about our lives and making sure we can re-index. It says in Mark chapter 5, verse 22, the Lord Jesus is involved, and this is uh, the woman with the issue of blood. But beyond that, verse 22 says, uh, before that all started, Behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at Jesus' feet and besought him, Greatly saying, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. Well, right there is an example how Jesus follows faith. When you get in faith, 
It's a slam dunk because you're going to say to the mountain, not on purpose. You're just going to say, yeah, we we're out of debt. Yeah, we got this because we already prayed and believed we received what things soever you desire. When you pray, believe you receive them and ye shall have them. So you got to believe you receive them. So um, uh, it, in verse 35, he he. Uh, the woman with the issue of blood uh, uh, interrupts everything. And then 35, it says, while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, certain which said, thy daughter is dead. Ooh, that's the bad report. Why troublest thou the master any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he intervened. He saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. Only believe what? Now, let's just look at that. Only what did Jesus tell him only believe? Uh, Romans 4 or uh, Isaiah 53. No, that's not what was he saying to believe. What, what was he saying? He said in verse 23, come and pray and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. He said, only believe what you said. Don't come off of what you said. Keep your focus on the unseen. Keep your focus off the God of this world's blinding. Keep your faith on your faith. Aim, take aim. And so it wasn't what Jesus said. It wasn't what God wanted, so to speak. Of course, he wanted it, but I mean, he did not intervene. It happened as the daddy said. And we go on there and, and uh, verse 41, he took the damsel by the hand and said to her, let's go eat some groceries. Let's go to McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that good? It's so simple. And that's what I like to do sometimes, and I know you do too, is break the word out and simplify. Because the world and even religion says this is complicated. And there's a lot of people out there with cancer and all sorts of stuff. And if, if uh, you know, and they're, they're spiritual, they go to church all the time. And if they don't have it, why do you think you can? This is complicated. We got to get the prayer chain going. We got to have an all night fasting. We got to, uh, we got to get Brother Doodly Doo that has a healing ministry in. We got to get him in. And it's just wrong. Now, if the Lord says, get Brother Doodly Doo in, hey, call him up. And he could do that. But that's not what we default to. That this is, this is a hard thing. We were not made to be needy. We were not made to ask God for our needs. We were made to seek first the kingdom and our needs be met. He supplies all of our need. How's that? In advance. In advance, not a bailout program like, ah, here we are. We got, we got in trouble. We're going to have to ask the Lord. He is in the Old Testament a very present help in time of trouble. But we're not supposed to ever get in trouble. But Mark Brzee always said, pray out the plan in advance and try to, instead of trying to mop it up from the, the backside. Because your emotions get involved and you, you fear, fear tries to get in. So this is easy. I've calmed down a lot in the last 12 years or 10 or 1, whatever. I, am, I have mellowed out and I'm just like, this is simple. This is easy. I had a pastor tell me many years ago, 30 years ago, he said, uh, we had some people leave, which was a regular thing, actually. Uh, there was a door. They were coming in. They were going out. And, and I just took it so seriously. Like, and I'd go to him. I'd call him and say, did I do something? Did I not do something? And it's like, 
Listen, they, they didn't buy the blue car because she had her heart on a green car, and so they went over and bought the green car. It had nothing to do with me or the church or anything. It's just that it didn't fit. And so, but I'd take it personal and get all wound up and stayed, stayed wound up all the time. But now, I'm focusing on the unseen. And it just makes your blood pressure go down and, and uh, all sorts of good things. You're a lot easier to get along with and all that if you're not trying to make it happen. And we can't make anything happen except to believe and then pray. What things soever you desire, desire, figure out what you desire. I'd get that little, I'd get that little book together. Of course, do what you want. It doesn't matter. We're not going to compare them. We're not going to, you know, unless you testify on your own, we'll never mention it again. But I'm telling you, it's powerful because it gets you where you believe you receive when you pray. You get that picture of that sofa in there or, or whatever, the, or uh, your mortgage thing in there. Uh, we actually had a check in ours because the Lord told us to believe for the million-dollar tithe. And I hadn't shared that in decades. It's still out there. You go, that, there's, nothing, there's no corroborating evidence, and that's for sure. But I'm, I got me around it. I've taken aim at that, and that's how it is. I personally will be the administrator over millions of dollars. And I, I, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's not because I, well, you know what I mean. Amen. Well, amen. Well, thank you for tuning in this evening. We appreciate you. Do a data backup in your life and throw off some stuff that's worrisome and got on you and live by faith and live in rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.